0: Hello. Hi. Welcome back to I Listen to Everything. I got my jazzy voice on today.
1: Is that what we're listening to today?
0: Well, actually, we got a suggestion from a listener, multiple suggestions actually. Mm. Um, so, this person gave us a bunch mm. of different ideas to choose, and we're definitely going to do all of them eventually, but. I actually let you choose, if you remember, from that list, and you chose Jazz Fusion.
1: Right, I remember now.
0: (laughs) That's what the topic of the episode is today. We're going to be talking about Jazz Fusion, what it is, what are the influences, what does it sound like? That's going to come at the end when we listen to some classic Jazz Fusion or Jazz Rock. Sometimes it's called Jazz Rock as well. Uh, We're going to listen to some of those tunes today i guess you don't call it songs in jazz you call it like a track oh really a tune a bop no i'm joking. um
1: <laughs> no
0: so let's just get right into it so just to give a little overview of what jazz fusion is obviously it comes from jazz but it developed in the late 60s so jazz is a lot older than that um, so in the late 60s a lot of jazz musicians started to combine jazz harmony improvisation with rock music funk and rhythm and blues so basically a fusion of jazz with some more popular music genres that were well that were popular at the time
1: they were bandwagoning
0: exactly they actually really were so jazz musicians started to use rock instruments such as electric guitars amplifiers keyboards because they had grown up listening to that kind of music because this was the music that had become really popular up until the 60s, especially the 60s rock music and R&B, and well, funk too, they were all very popular genres at this time, so they were being inspired by it. And that's basically what led to Jazz Fusion, but we'll get into the history of it after. Some arrangements are more groove based with like a simple repeated melody, while others use more chord progressions, unconventional time signatures, or counter melodies. Often, improvised sections are included that can vary in length, much like regular jazz. So sometimes you'll have very long improvised like solos and things like that. Um, but we're going to see that it sort of changes after a while and morphs into another kind of jazz. Really? Yeah, into the 80s. I think everyone knows what we're talking about, the kind of jazz music that was popular in like the 80s and 90s, Hmm. but we'll get into that later. So jazz fusion bands usually have like typical jazz instruments like brass and woodwind, so trumpet, saxophone, things like that. They're less likely to use pianos and double bass. They're more likely to use electric guitars and electric pianos like keyboards and things like that as well as synthesizers anything electric basically because that's what was becoming popular in rock music at the Mm -hmm. same time as well the term jazz rock is also sometimes used as a synonym or sometimes it's used for rock bands at the time in the 60s and 70s who added jazz elements to their music so it's like either jazz musicians who added rock elements or rock bands who added jazz elements okay So then after the 70s, jazz fusion expanded towards a more radio-friendly style. So this is what I was talking about earlier in the 80s and the 90s. It turned into something called smooth jazz. Really? Which gets a lot of criticism. We'll probably have an an episode dedicated to smooth jazz. Mm. I've never heard that term before. Yeah, so have you heard of Kenny G? Mm -hmm. He would be considered smooth jazz. All right. Things like that sometimes fusion is also used to describe a different approach to making music rather than a genre in itself so sometimes it's just a way to a word used to describe genres mixing together rather than just jazz fusion Mm -hmm. so that's pretty much the basics of jazz fusion but the history is very interesting so let's get into that so in 1967 the magazine, there's a magazine called Downbeat Magazine, which is like a, a famous magazine about like jazz music, mm-hmm. and they wrote an article called "Jazz as We Know It Is Dead." So they were announcing that jazz is dead in 1967. People like writing
1: when something's dying in these articles. Huh? Oh yeah,
0: well it it gets, it catches the the eye of the listener. It's clickbait. The reader, bait. yeah, old it's click pretty bait. much old school <laughs> clickbait, yeah. And so basically at the time, rock was obviously the most popular genre. This was like the late 60s. We talked about psychedelic rock and progressive rock as well. So that's what was really popular at this time. And at the same time, John Coltrane had just passed away. And John Coltrane is a very famous saxophone player. Yeah. So it was pretty much... Uh, they saw it as the end to maybe not the end of jazz, but to jazz as we had known, as they had known it up to that point. Mm-hmm. And so at this point, jazz and rock were two completely separate genres. There weren't any mixing between the two. But there is a musician known as Larry Coryell, who is now known as the godfather of fusion. Although some people think it's Miles Davis, but this is what Wikipedia said, oh, <laughs> and okay. also what Stuart Nicholson, who wrote a book called. Uh, well, he wrote several books about jazz, but I read one called "Beginner's Gu- A Beginner's Guide to Jazz. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Larry Coriel is considered the godfather of jazz fusion. He started a band in 1967 called The Free Spirits, and this is known as like one of the first... Jazz fusion bands.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Downbeat magazine, at the same time, started to report on rock music. So in 1967, instead of talking about jazz in their articles, they were talking about rock music. And then eventually, Larry coriel became part of a quartet with Gary Burton, who is a vibraphonist, and they released the album *Duster*, which had a very guitar rock influence. What the
1: hell's a vibraphonist?
0: A vibraphone is uh, okay. Well. It is a percussion instrument in the metallophone family, but it has like these little like little I don't know wood pieces that you play with like a, a mallet. <laughs> yeah, but played by using mallets. Okay, I had the right word. All right. <laughs> uh, metal bars. Oh, they're made out of metal. So it's metal bars that you use that you play with a mallet, and it makes that like cool noise. Hold on, maybe they'll have a, a sound sample oh so that's what a vibraphone sounds like okay so gary burton was a vibraphonist and so yeah they released the album duster which had a more guitar rock influence so these were pretty much the pioneers of jazz fusion they emphasized things like exploration energy electricity intensity virtuosity and volume so all of these things are sort of like some of them are more associated with jazz some of them are more associated with rock together they create jazz fusion Charles Lloyd, who is an American jazz musician that plays tenor saxophone and flute, he played a combination of rock and jazz at the Monterey Jazz Festival in 1966 with Keith Jarrett, who is like a famous jazz pianist, and Jack DeJohnette, who's a drummer and a period pianist as part of the co- the quartet. So even before 1967, I guess there was jazz and rock players sort of, you know, getting together at the Monterey Jazz Festival. This is like in the 60s when psychedelic rock was really popular. And so, yeah, so he was sort of in the psychedelic rock scene as well. He played at the Fillmore West, which is in San, Fran- which is in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. So he also wore very colorful clothes. He had a psychedelic. His album names were very psychedelic. Like they had names like Dreamweaver and Forest Flower. So he was already starting to get into like that psychedelic rock scene. So we see how the 60s rock scene was pretty much inspiring the jazz musicians at the time. Jeremy Stieg, who is a flutist, he experimented with jazz with his band Jeremy and the Satyrs, which included vibraphonist Mike Minieri. And then we have Miles Davis. So Miles Davis is a very famous jazz trumpet player. Yeah. He was already pretty popular at this point, but he had been listening to Jimi Hendrix, James Brown, Sly and the Family Stone, and I. From what I was reading in the book by Stuart Nicholson, Miles Davis had already started to like see that jazz music was, you know, there wasn't really much development or like changes being made in the music itself. So he wanted to create something different, mm-hmm. and so he was listening to all these rock musicians. And um I, I also watched this mute this uh, YouTube video by Offbeat called Intro to Jazz Fusion and it talked a bit about Davis and Miles Davis and what he was trying to do. So he was what they said is that he was constantly adapting and pushing the boundaries of jazz in a lot of his music actually. He was using electric instruments in the album Miles in the Sky. He was trying to push his, so he had a quintet of people, like mm-hmm. five people in the band. He was trying to push them away from conventional jazz. Uh, Miles in the Sky was a very transitional album. It, he didn't really perfect the use of electronic instrument y- instruments yet, but Bitches Brew, which is like one of the first jazz fusion albums, was like the culmination of like the use of electronic instruments in his music. So Bitches Brew had abandoned like that swing beat that you hear in jazz a lot in favor of a more rock and roll backbeat and those bass guitar groups. Oh, no, that sounds groups. cool. Yeah. We're going to play some of some um, tracks on Bitches Brew. And the album mixed also Free Jazz. Free Jazz was like sort of becoming popular before Jazz Fusion. So Free Jazz was like, it's like a very experimental style of jazz, a lot of improvisation. Rem- remember when we talked about the song, the, the Steps yeah. song? Okay, so... Um, I took an intro to jazz class in university, but it wasn't like learning about how to play jazz, it was just about like, just about jazz in general, and then we had to listen to songs, and we had to, and in the tests, he would play them and we had to identify certain parts of the songs and things like that or of the tracks or tunes, whatever they're called in jazz (laughs) And, uh, and Andrew helped me study he would play the music for me and I had to guess what it was, and Steps was one of those songs. <laughs> <laughs> that I think that, that's what's considered free jazz. So basically in Bitches Brew the album mixed like free jazz with electronic keyboards and guitars with dense percussion. Davis's trumpet was actually plugged into electronic effects and pedals. So he plugged in his trumpet like an electric guitar. So very like experimental, very pushing the boundaries of uh, what you could do with these with regular instruments. Uh, The album was very popular, it sold 400,000 copies in its first year, which was like four times the average for his usual albums. He appeared on television, He, he performed at rock venues, he was pretty much becoming a rock star at this point some critics accused him of betraying the essence of jazz due to using electronic instruments and things like that and the use of rock beats because rock music is like you know less sophisticated jazz itself it's like a lot of people who listen to jazz think that they're like you know above rock music (laughs) they think they're sophisticated because they listen to jazz Mm -hmm. music so once you start mixing the two it's like you know the critics are obviously going to have a problem with that and also rock is more commercial too so that's another thing and then miles davis's album from 1969 called in a silent way that's considered actually his first fusion album so bitches brew was like you know the start of him using electric instruments and in a silent way was like the first jazz fusion it was made by pioneers of jazz fusion actually so there was chick korea or korea i never know how to say it he was a pianist and a keyboardist there's herbie hancock also a pianist Tony Williams, the drummer; Wayne Shorter, the saxophonist, who actually passed away this year, no, in March; Joe Zawinul, who was a keyboardist, and John McLaughlin, who was a guitarist. So they would all go on to create their own either their own groups or their own jazz fusion albums. Mm. And then a tribute to Jack Johnson in 1971. That's another Miles Davis album. This is cited as the purest electric jazz record ever made, and one of the most remarkable jazz rock discs of the era. So we'll listen to some tracks from that one as well so yeah like i said all of davis's sidemen that's what they called it in the article which made me think of side (laughs) piece but yeah they all started to create their own albums so we have herbie hancock who is a pianist who created the group the headhunters then we have tony williams the drummer who created the group lifetime which was a trio with john mclaughlin and larry young who's an organist wayne shorter created weather report i really like weather report we actually listened to weather report for in my jazz class if really. you're gonna remember it once i play All it right. um with keyboard players joe zawinal and later jaco Pastorius, who is a bassist he w- i don't think he ever i don't know if he ever played with miles davis but uh he was another very famous jazz musician and jazz fusion musician mm-hmm. uh chick korea created the group return to forever which was initially a very successful group, but then it was later condemned also by jazz critics for being too similar to prog rock. So we're gonna talk about how jazz music influenced prog rock as well. And then rock critics discredited prog rock for its empty virtuosity. So we have rock critics who don't like prog rock and then jazz critics who don't like jazz fusion because it's too similar to prog rock. Everyone's a critic in this uh, industry. And then we have John McLaughlin, the guitarist from the other group, who created Mahavishnu Orchestra with Billy Cobham on drums, Jerry Goodman on violin, and Jan Hammer on keyboard and bassist Rick Laird. Yeah, all of these Davis's, all of his musicians, they all went on to create their own groups. Mahavishnu Orchestra blended like Indian classical music with jazz and psychedelic rock. It brought elements of counterculture, rock and roll, electronic instruments, solo virtuosity, experimentation, all of these different things that we see in rock and jazz, mm-hmm. basically a blending of genres together. Um, McLaughlin was very influenced by Jimi Hendrix. He had also played with Eric Clapton and Mick Jagger, both rock stars. Yeah. And then Herbie Hancock with Headhunters in 1973. So he created the group Headhunters, but the, the album Headhunters was under his name. It's mm. kind of confusing. And the album Feats, don't fail me now, not feet, feats. That made me laugh. <laughs> and these I two... say that all the time. I know, I love it. Feats. <laughs> and these two albums brought elements of funk, disco, and electronic music. So not just rock, but you know, disco as well, mm. funk. Chick Corea, so his group, Return to Forever, combined jazz rock and pop music and also brazilian music as well mm-hmm. and then he had two different bands chicorea he had the acoustic band and the electric band both of them with a k instead of a c like the first c mm-hmm. <laughs> and basically he was dividing his career between two different kinds of music so he had one band where he had like non-commercial jazz music and the other one was more like pop rock commercial music and tony williams he was also a member of Davis's band since 1963. And he formed the Lifetime Band with John McLaughlin and Larry Young, which combined rock intensity and loudness with jazz's spontaneity. Other fusion albums were released in the late 70s as well by bands like Lee Ritenor, Stuff, the band's called Stuff, Mm -hmm. (laughs) George Benson, Spyro Gyra, The Crusaders and Larry Carlton. Then we have other kinds of fusions that came about so it wasn't just rock we talked a little bit about like funk and disco and all these other things mm-hmm. but so jazz rock is another one we said that it's sometimes synonymously used with jazz fusion but it's also used to describe the more louder and electrified fusion bands as well so bands like coliseum chicago Blood, Sweat, and Tears, Chase, Soft Machine, Nucleus, Brand X, The Mother of Invention, and If. They blended jazz and rock with electric instruments. We also have Frank Zappa. So Frank Zappa like, is just a weird guy on his own. Like He blended a whole bunch of different genres. All, I, f- I feel like all of his albums kind of sound really different, mm-hmm. but he was very complex and unpredictable. He released Hot Rats album in 1969, Mm -hmm. which contained long instrumental pieces that had a very big jazz influence. But other albums like The Grand Wazoo and Waka Jawaka in 1972 were also very influenced by jazz. There's also Steely Dan, who had like smooth jazz rock fusion there's carlos santana who combined jazz and rock influences with latin rhythms oh, yeah. and he actually created his own genre well he created a whole new genre called latin rock and he credits miles davis as a big influence on him mm-hmm. many other rock artists took influence from jazz and rock such as gary moore the grateful dead Jimi hendrix the almond brothers band so a lot of these bands had a bit of jazz elements as well and according to jazz writer Stuart Nicholson, so I read one of his books but there's another book that he wrote called The Essential Jazz Records Modernism to Postmodernism he thought that jazz rock was similar to free jazz in that it could have evolved into something quite different than anyone had ever heard before but it was stifled by commercialism and turned into the jazz inflected pop music that was all over the radio in the late 70s so basically it turned into smooth jazz Mm -hmm. and He thought that, you know, it started off really well with what Miles Davis was doing. It was very experimental, very, like... It was very innovative, what he was doing. But he he talked about this in the book that I read as well. So he was talking about how the potential of jazz rock was gradually undone by recording company executives who were keen to cash in on the best-selling albums of the time, so by Davis and all of those other men that we talked about. And the promise of jazz rock was basically undone by this commercial ambition from all these executives because the non-jazz elements no longer came from the creative side of rock music, but rather from the pop side of rock music. So simple melodic hooks, a repetitious backbeat, easy listening solos, and it was marketed as smooth jazz Mm. or sometimes known as quiet storm, light jazz, hot tub jazz, yuppie jazz. Mm. There's all these different names for it, but it's, it's what is known... What is what it's known now is is criticized by a lot of like writers, like jazz critics and all Mm -hmm. and things like that. And there was a very like dumbing down process of jazz. This is what he's talking about in his book. He's talking about how it was a dumbing down process that we have seen happen with pop music many, many times. An example that I thought of was with. Well, I don't agree with this, but people think that obviously pop punk is like a more commercial version of punk rock. So it's the same thing with Jazz Fusion. Not the beginnings of Jazz Fusion, but what it became later on. They think it's like a more dumbing down process of what jazz actually is. So artists like Kenny G. And um, there was another article I read, actually, (laughs) from Esquire magazine uh, called How I Learned to Love Jazz Fusion, The Worst Music in the World. Hmm. And so in the article, he talks about like artists like Dave Koss, Headhunters, David Sanborn, uh, Yellow Jackets, and Kenny G too, and how he spent his whole life mocking this kind of music. But, well, he talks about how he learns to love it in the article, Mm -hmm. but I'm just gonna quote from the article. He said, it is the music that renders song titles themselves moot, because every track is just another synthetic wad of cascading wind chimes Rococo drumming, keyboards that seem to have escaped from a secret lab of 80s sitcom theme songs, (laughs) and bass lines that make a percolating popcorn noise. So this is what he's using to describe as like the later jazz fusion and smooth jazz. He does clarify in the article that he's not talking about bands like Weather Report. He's not talking about Miles Davis. He's talking about what came afterwards. He talks about Kenny G. But he, in the article, he says that He envies people who like Kenny G. There's a quote in the article where he says, What does it feel like to bypass the darkest, most twisted, most melancholy pools of musical expression and to surrender instead to a cheerful supermarket aisle soundtrack of jazz fusion? Oh, boy. So this is what he's describing as basically smooth jazz. A guy rolling down the street blasting Dave Cause. That is an individual who does not give a fuck.
1: <laughs>
0: so he envies these people who are not afraid to share, to show the world that they like smooth jazz. All right. Supermarket music.
1: It's elevator music. <laughs> elevator music.
0: <laughs> but you see, if we didn't have Jazz Fusion and smooth jazz, we wouldn't have The Sims building soundtrack. And to me, that is everything that is what jazz should be yeah did you know actually that because i started thinking about like who created the sims music and it was created well it was produced by someone called jerry martin but i read this whole article about how he actually had like jazz musicians from bands like the yellow jackets Mm -hmm. to to like play the music of the sims really yeah i did not know this yeah So that's a little fun fact for you, if you you enjoy The Sims. (laughs) So getting back into jazz fusion. um, So it did turn into smooth jazz and things like that, you know, the commercial side of jazz, but it also had a different side. So there was jazz metal. So jazz rock with heavy metal. This is closely related to progressive metal as well. Mm -hmm. And there's bands like Rollins Band, uh, King, King Crimson, who is a progressive, who are a progressive rock group, they started to explore industrial metal in the late '90s. Mm-hmm. Obviously, there's jazz funk, there's punk jazz, so like fusion with a hardcore approach. There's something called M-base, which stands for macro basic array of structured extemporization. Where did all these words come from? from I M-Base? Uh, I don't know, but anyways. What well, Basic Array of Structured Extemporization. Bass, B-A-S-E.
1: Super Kalalalo. How does that go again? No.
0: <laughs> Basically, it was this movement from the 80s that started with a group of young black musicians in New York with a complex but groovy sound. I didn't really look into it, but it's just an example of what Jazz Fusion influenced. It also influenced bands like... Well, it influenced a lot of progressive rock musicians too, but it also influenced Atheist, which is a death metal band. So they had very heavy, heavily syncopated drumming, challenging time signatures, instrumental parts, acoustic interludes, and Latin rhythms. Obviously, all of these elements are influenced from jazz fusion. Uh, Meshuga, who are a fusion of f- fast tempo death metal, thrash metal, progressive metal, a lot of influence on like progressive metal and like death metal bands, I find. There's a group called Cynic, which is like a jazz fusion death metal band as well. Jennifer Batten, who's a guitarist, she released an album called Momentum, which was a very instrumental rock fusion hybrid. The band Mudvayne, which is a heavy metal band, was heavily influenced by jazz as well, especially Mm -hmm. with Ryan Martini's bass playing. Puya, which is a a progressive metal band, they had very latin jazz influences and american jazz influences as well there's a band called agora and actually i (laughs) i have a fun story about this band but basically they're a progressive metal band that is also often described as jazz metal Mm -hmm. when i was a kid my dad used to play agora he played one of like their first album that they ever made a lot and so i really like grew up listening to this music i really liked it a lot and when facebook first started obviously I was like what 14 and I was mm-hmm. like I'm gonna look up everyone I know and for some reason I found the singer on the first album of this wow. band's <laughs> album and I messaged her and I was like hey I really like your music you have a great voice
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> and but she wasn't like the singer of all of their their, like she was only the singer for the first album so she was like oh hey i'm not in this band anymore like you can find them on these socials sorry
2: <laughs>
0: it was so awkward and i was like why would i anyways so but she did respond to me so that was cool. cool yeah um so yeah i really liked that band when i was growing up we're gonna listen to some of their songs All as right. well yeah, but they so some of the members of that band were were from Cynic, which was the other band that we talked about, the death metal band. Yeah, so all of these different groups, the Mars Volta as well, they're like a newer band. They're extremely influenced by jazz fusion as well. Mm-hmm. Um, all of these very experimental progressive metal bands were influenced by jazz fusion. So we have the more commercial side, but we also have you know the metal side.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> basically to like sort of conclude in the intro to jazz fusion video on YouTube by offbeat, they talk about how like it was commercial, but it also gave jazz a new sense of like accessibility to Mm -hmm. people who had never really listened to jazz before. People listening to rock music all of a sudden are listening to jazz music and it represented jazz's ability to adapt and survive in a, always changing musical climate that inspired many other genres afterwards so that's uh, that's what i have about jazz fusion and uh, we're gonna listen to some jazz fusion now that's are we ready up. oh yeah all right let's do it okay let's begin with the free spirit so this is like the first jazz fusion band this song is called don't look now but your head is turned around <laughs> So we hear that saxophone in the back. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> which sounds, but it sounds like a regular '60s rock mm-hmm. band with some jazz in it. Next, we're gonna play General Mojo's Well-Laid Plan, which is by Gary Burton's Quartet. elevator music no not this
1: i joking
0: <laughs> later on yes I think it's I think it's the vibraphone that's making you think elevator music I think, yeah <laughs> but I do like the mix of like the guitar it's very like a 70s style guitar sound with the jazz like vibraphone the,
1: no joke that sounded pretty cool
0: oh I love it it's really like that, the whole week when I was listening to this I was like this is cool like I feel cool listening to this right now
1: <laughs> well I do remember when we first started talking and you asked if you could live in any decade here you're, you're like a 60s 70s girl anyway
0: um no I feel like now
1: oh you've matured
0: no it's not that it's just like
1: you've changed
0: in terms of music probably 90s has better music Just for my own personal tastes.
1: Okay, but fashion styles,
0: though. 90s. When did I ever say 60s and 60s? I don't know.
1: You were talking about bell bottoms and other stuff when we first started dating. Really? Yes. (laughs) I I do like bell bottoms. (laughs) (laughs) You wanted a diner kitchen, remember that?
0: (laughs) I still do want one. (laughs) But that's more 50s. Basically, I want all of the different styles into one place. 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s. You want a 90s. F- fusion. I want a fusion house, basically.
1: <laughs> That's what's up. All right.
0: Okay, but this, yeah, so this get, this um, quartet is with Larry Coryell, Roy Haynes, Steve Swallow, and obviously Gary Burton.
1: Steve Swallows?
0: Yes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm sorry, you didn't like I that one, did you? I just gave the death stare. <laughs> okay.
0: Next that we're going to play is Bitches Brew. With Miles Davis, Wayne Shorter. Steve Swallows. No. Not him.
1: villain has appeared.
0: Yes. (laughs) I'll just mention that this is 26 minutes long, so this is just the beginning beginning.
1: Uh, Fast forward.
0: Let's fast forward to five minutes in. Was chaotic that was great <laughs> let's go 18 minutes in The t- the title "Bitches Brew" just fits. <laughs> I don't know how to describe it, but it just fits. Um, in the uh, Jazz: A Beginner's Guide by Stuart Nicholson, he talks about "Bitches Brew," and he says Davis plunged headlong into the electric jazz milieu. But strangely, the album seems in no hurry to get anywhere, and it- <laughs> to get anywhere. And as it searches for a new jazz Jerusalem, it defines its own mysterious process. As Davis would say in his autobiography, nothing was written down. It all had to come out of a process in the studio. It does sound very, like, improvised. Like, yeah. uh, just a whole mix of different it was like instruments modern put day together. Steps. They were, like, trying to, fig- <laughs> trying to figure out what to do. But then we have the album, A Tribute to Jack Johnson, which was made a year later. This one is called Write Off. <laughs> i uh-huh. So you can hear right away the Mm, guitar. And this apparently was very influenced by Jimi Hendrix, this particular album, which you can definitely hear right away. Let's just, because this one is also 26 minutes, we'll just go a little bit into it, like four minutes in. (laughs) some of the trumpet playing Mm -hmm. that you hear there.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: But the one that we listened to when we were doing, when we were studying for my jazz class was Miles Runs the Voodoo Down. But this is from Bitches Brew. I don't know if you'll remember.
1: I think I remember something with the title voodoo in it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. specifically remember that part no oh, yeah or the trumpet yeah and this this really sounds like i don't know it really sounds like late 60s to me like late like 60s rock with that like jazz into it hmm. so jazz fusion it's a, it's a very appropriate title for this kind of music yeah okay let's play davis's side pieces music davis's <laughs> side man <laughs> this one is called Mahavish, oh sorry, this is by Mahavishnu Orchestra. It's called "Birds of Fire." <sighs> definitely sounds like a progressive rock song mm-hmm. to me but like more jazzy obviously mm-hmm. but I can see why progressive rock was influenced by jazz fusion sounds future. like
1: original soundtracks for TV and movies
0: yeah well you know it's like instr- it's instrumental so yeah. it's it's a good, it's good music to put for a TV show like an intense TV show mm-hmm. <laughs> I just want to play a little bit more because it sounded like it was getting somewhere yeah <laughs> Rock on! Mm-hmm. Uh, also, the album art for this—I uh, think the album is called *Birds of Fire*. Also, yeah, it's very pretty. I love it. I want it as up like a poster or something. Anyway, <laughs> continuing on. The next, okay. So next, I want to play two different songs to show because in the YouTube video that I watched, they talked about two different versions of herbie hancock's watermelon man so he recorded watermelon man in 1962 before the influence of rock and jazz Mm -hmm. and then on the album headhunters he recorded it again but it sounds very different so let's play watermelon man from 1962 first (laughs) okay Hunters, the album from 1973, so like what, 11 years later? Mm -hmm. It's Watermelon Man, but re recorded with a more jazz fusion style. It's dog. that this was sampled right yes
1: and <laughs> what though it's at the tip of my brain
0: i remember reading about it but i i don't know why i didn't put it on hold on
1: oh my god
0: but yeah you're you're right uh hold on i'm gonna find it for you Okay, so we found the sample that Andrew remembers. It's actually from Shaquille O'Neal. It's called I Hate to Brag. It's...
1: <laughs> <laughs> I used to have his albums back when he was a rapper in his early days. Of I think he was still with the Orlando Magic.
0: Of course you did. <laughs> okay, so this is that song. Hello. 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 Let me see the death check. can't believe I remember I'm this. i talking to you, musty, thunder, older I want to talk to that death
2: Last song he did with Shaq, Shaq was being a pragmatologist. I want Shaq to be a pragmatologist all the way. Know what I'm saying? Once
0: so you can kind of hear the guitar part that's the part, part,
1: the part, part, the, part right? i remember it <laughs> was the guitar
0: that's actually really good
1: that was even shock rapping though i think it's later on in the song
0: should we skip to where yeah uh, yeah it didn't sound like him You what? You better listen to the news.
2: I'm dynamite and I write with a slow turn and I'm the Lord of the underground don't funk. Treat me like a big crisscross. You better jump on because 'cause I'm a mama like Ali. I'm not like
0: Tamale. I'm with Mr. Cooper as Ali. And my tall dog, handsome, all that. Okay, I love that. <laughs> that was really cool. Um Yeah, so obviously you can hear see like that funky influence in the in the later song, it was actually sampled in a lot of other thing- yeah. things as well, but for some reason that's the one you remember.
1: Yeah, because I had the whole riff in it.
0: So. <laughs> no, no, it's a good one. I like it. Um, but yeah, the difference between those two songs so, in you have the influence of, well, the use of new technology. So the original version was recorded with an acoustic quintet, but in the new version, the double bass was replaced by an electric bass guitar, while the piano was replaced by keyboards, clavinets, and synthesizers. And the composition of the song is also very different. So the original uses a very, like, standard 16-bar blues structure with a clean melody and three solos, very tight and rigid. Whereas the new version prioritizes groove, it, it is very groovy, uh, over structure. So it flows a lot more, it slowly... La- It slowly adds and layers instruments to create a thicker groove, and then it slowly fades them out after. So we heard that in the second one where it took a while for it to get started. It was slowly adding different layers of instruments. Mm -hmm. And it basically that's creating like a thicker groove. And there's no solos on this one because the focus is on the groove. So very groovy. (laughs) It was the 70s after all. So yeah, that's the two different versions of Watermelon Man by Herbie Hancock. Next we'll play some Chick Corea. This is called Captain Marvel. Was another one we had to learn for my jazz class as well. I don't know mm-hmm. if you remember it. <laughs>
1: Not really, but
0: I really like that.
1: I think after steps, my mind just like
0: you <laughs> like, that's the song for me. That's the
1: song. That's jazz. It's over.
0: <laughs> oh, I can't wait till we do free jazz. It's gonna be fun. Okay, next we're gonna play stuff. This is called Foots. <laughs> that was very like you know definitely very 70s i find mm-hmm. i guess it's like a jazzy 70s style from 1976 that one all right okay next we'll play morning dance by i don't know if this if i'm saying this right Spyro gyra <laughs> <laughs> That uh, Caribbean influences oh, in there yeah. as well. So it's not just fusion with rock. It's fusion with...
1: Everything.
0: Everything. Yeah, on uh, Spotify it says, One of the most consistently commercially successful pop jazz groups to emerge from the fusion era, Spyro Gyra, uh, combines r and elements of pop and Caribbean music with jazz. All right, let's play some Frank Zappa. This is from the Hot Rats album of 1969. It's called Willie the Pimp. That one. I loved it. <laughs> I thought you would. <laughs> okay, I don't know if you're going to remember this one. We also listened to this one for my jazz class. This is called Birdland by Weather Report.
1: I remember this part.
0: Yeah. in this next part.
2: To get the part where it
1: goes. I remember that.
0: Oh, it sounds like an 80s like sitcom. I know, that's why. <laughs> but it's so good. If you're wondering what I got in this class, I got an A. Yeah, it's no time lyrics. For the world to know. I, I got an A on that class. I got high 90s, 100% on every quiz. I was killing it. Um, pretty much in all the music classes I took. I guess I don't know. I guess I just have an ear for music.
1: You should have been a musician. <laughs> no.
0: <laughs> That's the one. See, I I can understand the difference in the songs, but I can't tell you what the hell's happening. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, continuing on. Uh okay, let's play some Jaco Pastorius. This next track is called Portrait of Tracy. You might recognize this one also. from this classic R&B track by SWV called Rain. Of
1: course, okay.
0: The <laughs> the sample works so well in that song, mm-hmm. really really good. Um, okay, let's play Soft Machine. This is called Priscilla. I like this one a lot. I really Mm. like that one It's only a minute long I almost played the whole song (laughs) (laughs) That was the one When I was listening to it The other day I'm like Dude this is so cool It's gonna be a good episode It was that
2: track specifically
0: Okay Okay We just have a few more I just wanna show the influence Of jazz fusion And other genres Specifically like Death metal And like Progressive metal And things like that Alright This is Mother Man By Atheist You're meditating.
1: <laughs> I'm just trying to grasp
0: Every that's element happening. that's happening. In yeah. The, yeah. You can definitely hear like so many different things going on. You can mm-hmm. hear the jazz, obviously the metal. It's just a whole mishmash of mm-hmm. different inspirations. Okay, I want to play an agora song, so I'm gonna play satya. <laughs> That was played a lot when I was a child in my dad's car. That specific album, that song as well, I've heard it so many times. I think the singer's name is Denishta Rivero, um. if I remember correctly. Anyway, that's Agora. Okay, and then also we have the Mars Volta. I believe they're like a... Yeah, this album is from 2003. So it's called... It's called Inner SP Esp don't know if I'm saying that right anyway <laughs> it sounds like made up words it's by the mars volta <laughs> Yeah, so I'm sorry, Stuart Nicholson, but that sounds pretty badass to me. And that was influenced by Jazz Fusion, so. You could suck it! I'm joking. Um, (laughs) But what Stuart Nicholson was talking about is artists like Kenny G. This next track is called Forever in Love. instruments instrument very well but um, respectfully (laughs) you will remain in uh, cheesy movies
1: and the ending of an episode where Goku is hungry after fighting a million battles
0: (laughs) and everyone starts
1: laughing because he says I'm hungry and he's not dying
0: yeah other other songs that were mentioned in that article. Uh, that I talked about from Esquire uh, was Mile High by Yellow Jackets. <laughs> Okay, but this makes so much sense because this I can get to, but it makes sense because this was one of the musicians who uh, who was on the Sims soundtrack, which I really love, obviously. But that's mm-hmm. very nostalgic to yeah. me, yeah. Um, but yeah, and then I guess we'll end this with uh, the Headhunters spe- specifically because this song is called Pee Pee Head. <laughs> I just thought it was a great ending it to is. our podcast. Oh, All right. So this is Peepee Head by the Headhunters.
1: Hey, Arnold. <laughs> Honestly, they just could have called it Hey Football Head. And it would have been the perfect title.
0: <laughs> what about Pee Pee Head?
1: He, if Arnold used to be called Pee Pee Head, I would have been just as good, too.
0: <laughs> I think, was this the one that I was playing and you were like, are we going to be listening to Sears music? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, imagine, I'm just, you know, doing my thing, whatever, and then I just hear that off into the distance.
0: You're like, what? <laughs>
1: I didn't get the full volume and bass of what was happening, you know.
0: Uh, it might have been the other one actually, that I was playing. It might have been Kenny G, where you were like, "Oh God, yeah, that's what we're listening to."
2: <laughs> Anyways,
0: so I mean, you do have the more commercial side of the influences of jazz fusion, smooth jazz, light jazz, whatever you want to call it. Honestly, I'm not mad at it. It gave me the Sims, so I'm 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 happy with that. And who doesn't love a good '80s? theme song
1: exactly
0: it's nostalgic it makes everyone happy mm-hmm. where everybody knows your name i don't even know if that's
1: <laughs> and they always glad you
0: came exactly <laughs> but then you also have the influences in like all those cool bands that we just listened to mars volta agora like that the progressive metal the you know death metal and also all of the Hip-hop and R&B samples from Jazz Fusion and other jazz artists as well. So I think, honestly, Jazz Fusion, I give it. I give it five stars. (laughs) Ten on ten. (laughs) Ten on ten for influence for other genres and just in general.
1: I think fusion is a very good thing in this world, so...
0: Yeah, like, you know, food... No. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Especially
1: when I do it, yes. Okay,
0: maybe, but like... Don't make chocolate hummus.
1: No, no, that's blasphemy. Yeah.
0: That's just wrong.
1: Never again. <laughs> what was that show that... Mo? was it called Moe? Mo? yeah.
0: yeah we're the- <laughs>
1: Perfect scene. No, that was like my favorite scene. In- what did
0: you say to me, or what did they say? What the f- did you just say? <laughs> sometimes fusion is good. Mm-hmm. In this case... I'd say it's pretty It's pretty damn good. Well, that was Jazz Fusion. Thank you to our listener for the suggestion for this genre. I really, really enjoyed learning about it. I thought it was so fun. And I'm so interested in learning about all the other genres that they suggested. Tune in next time. Do you have anything else to say, Drew, about Jazz Fusion? What, what would you say? Were you a fan or were you like me?
1: Eh. I'm a fan, especially when you got into that.
0: The Mars Volta sounds like yeah. something you'd listen to. Mm-hmm. That sounds like your kind of music. It because it kind of sounds like sort of indie as well, mm-hmm. like that two thousands early two thousands indie.
1: You know what, what I'm talking mean. about. Yeah.
0: It's very early two thousands vibes and that influence of jazz as well. It's just mm-hmm. really cool. I like yeah. it. Yeah. Um, so you're a fan. I am a fan. I'm a fan. We listened to it. We loved it. What did you think? Let us know. And with that,
1: we are out. Thanks again. Have a good one.
0: Bye.